Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Grateful for all of our ministry workers who serve faithfully with our kids and uh, do a wonderful job at that, I must say. So this morning... It's my privilege to bring you the word, as it is every Sunday, as God permits me. And uh, today we are talking about community culture. We're going to talk about community and how it is vital and how it is important and how it is central to us as a church. And this is the last message we have planned because I say we have planned. What if the Lord gives, wants us to go more on this? I know we have Lee Grady next week. Um, but, but I feel a stirring for this one. As we talk about community. And, and these are things that as a church we value. And before I get into it, I just want to say this. This is probably the most difficult one for us to grasp as a church. But it's also the most important one, I would say, for us to understand and to begin to live out faithfully. Community. Community. It's easy to be in a large place with a bunch of people and to be able to slip through the cracks. If you're a guest today, it's easy to show up and to leave without even saying hi to me. And that's not, I submit to you the thought, that's not the way church should be or this community of believers should be. And, and with God's help, I want to share with you, but Quickly, uh, just a recap of last week, we talked about signs and wonders. And as a, as a church, we established that at Weston, we will practice what we preach. We will practice what we preach. Every time the Word of God is proclaimed, it will accomplish what God desires, as per Isaiah 55, 11. And then also we established that at Weston, we have great expectation to see signs and wonders. Why? Because we know that God wants to confirm His Word with signs and wonders. And we looked through the book of Acts and we saw how every time they preached faithfully the Word of God, God always confirmed His Word with signs and wonders. Many were saved, many were healed, many were baptized and filled even with the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. And so we believe that at church we will see signs and wonders as we pray. And it might not always look the same at the altar. It might be in your seat. It might be once you leave and God wants to use you wherever you are. Signs and wonders. So that was last week. And this week we'll be looking at community. There's a YouTube video. And if you just Google or YouTube Battle at Kruger or Battle at Kruger Park, some of you might be like, oh yeah, I remember that one. I believe last time I checked, it had over 77 million views on YouTube. One of the most popular and viral videos on YouTube. But it's an eight-minute video. Uh, it's an amateur wildlife video that depicts a confrontation between a herd of Cape buffalo a small group of young lions from a pride, and one crocodile. And let me just quickly recap for you what happens. This is in South Africa. And so you see this herd of Cape buffalo, and they are coming and just kind of all moving casually. And then the camera, the guy filming, it's like very home video style, pans to the right, and you see there are like three or four lions kind of just 
hiding, recognizing there, there's an opportunity walking straight for us. And just the intensity begins and the tension rises as you watch. And I'll spoil it so you can go home and watch it and see if I explained it well. So basically, they wait, they get close enough, and this group of lions, they, they're young little ones, and they go after the herd. Well, the herd is stunned and surprised. They weren't expecting it. They turn and start running, knowing that the younger calf, who is weaker and not as strong, would probably not be too far ahead of them. So they actually capture it in, in their mouth. I know it sounds really morbid, but there are about three or four of these lions on this little calf. And there's a body of water, a lake, a pond, whatever it might be nearby. They end up falling into it in this little wrestling match. And they're trying to pull this calf out. And as they do, here comes Mr. Crocodile. And he snatches the leg of this calf. And now we are introduced to a tug of war. And this tug of war, unfortunately, has the calf as the rope in, in between. And you're wondering, well, who's going to win? Eventually, they pull it far enough to the land that the crocodile lets go. And then they're just trying to sink their teeth into this poor calf. But what they fail to realize is that this camera guy was really good. Because he ended up panning to the left. And in the distance... The, the herd of Cape Buffalo regrouped and now with one united purpose come back and catch the lions off guard who are feasting or trying to sink their teeth into this poor calf and you just see the, the one leading buffalo with the horns. He comes, one ran, but the guy still didn't want to let go of this little calf. So the, the buffalo comes and he just flips this lion into the air, and they run away. Somehow, this calf is able to just join, the herd, join up with the rest of the herd, and they keep going on their way. And I thought, the power, their strength in numbers, right? I want to submit to you one more thought, but I think there's greater strength in unity. Can someone say amen? Let me just explain it, because some of you didn't quite catch it. Their strength in numbers, yes. If that is the end of it, well, they were a bunch of buffalo making their way, but they didn't succeed fully because the calf was captured. When they regrouped, what did they do? They united together now. Their strength in numbers, but there's greater strength in unity. And as they came back with one focus, one mission, one purpose, well, they had the victory. And the enemy was defeated, and the little one was back with the flock, or with the herd, I should say. And so, when we talk about community, I want to give you a simple definition of what, what we can use for that word community. Common unity. Community is common unity, or having a common unity. So no matter how you're wired, you could be an introvert, an extrovert, socially adept, or socially awkward, something in your soul longs for meaningful relationships with other humans. You are hardwired for relationship. You are hardwired for it. And I want to submit to you this idea, which is a fact, that community wasn't people's idea, it was God's idea. 
community started with God. And in, in Genesis, we see the triune God at work in the creation of the world. And then God says, let us make man in our own image. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in Genesis, God also concluded, it is not good for man to be alone. So what, does, what, does, what do they do? They create a suitable helper, which was called Eve. And he said, you are woman, flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And so we see right from the very beginning, it wasn't good for man to be alone. And so God created a helper. Community is God's idea. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and would you stand for the reading of God's Word? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ today. Uh, to be a part of this community, which we call the family of God. And I find encouragement, I find support, and everything that I need short of what Jesus gives me, I, can, I receive from you. Just hearing Stephanie's testimony encouraged my faith to believe God that anything is possible. Even on your worst day, God can, can, can surprise you from whatever avenue He wants. And He can show you that He's still God and He's still close to you. I love the community of God. If you have 1 Corinthians 12 open, would you say Amen? We'll begin reading at verse 12. And here's what it says. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Now I'm going to jump to verse 18, and here's what it says. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. And then we'll jump to verse 26. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Can you say amen this morning? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Father, as we um, dissect this passage, but also this subject of community, I pray that you would open up our hearts. Let us understand why you designed us this way and why you hardwired us for community. And may we experience what true community is all about. Father, I ask you all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Now anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart that I might speak your word with the anointing that comes from heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. One thing I love about the gospel and about God's word is it is actually very simple. But we have a tendency to overcomplicate things. And so to understand the church, I'm so thankful that it's actually not that hard. God designed us in such a way as His church that to understand how the church should be and should function and should exist, we don't even have to look much further than our very own bodies. Did you, under, did you catch that in Scripture? 
in chapter 12, verse 12 of 1 Corinthians, he explains it clearly. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. And then he says, so it is with the church. So it's to understand God's church and the community that we are of believers. We don't have to really dig too far, but if you understand your body and how my hand holds the mic, whichever hand my brain picks, it holds it close to my mouth, and my mouth opens up and it speaks. And the body functions as one whole unit. If, if you forget, just think about the battle at Kruger Park. And we remember how the herd of buffalo worked as a unit. And so we don't have to look much further than our own bodies. And verse 13 of our passage says that we are also baptized into one body by one spirit. So the day, if, if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe it was at an altar call, maybe it was at your bedside with a parent, who knows, maybe it was listening to the radio, maybe it was on, on TV and, and someone led you to the Lord, there was something that changed in your life and it was simply this, the ownership changed. And now God is your Father. In heaven. Now, something incredible that, that the Spirit does is the Holy Spirit is the one who baptizes us into this new family of God. And it's an incredible picture to see and to understand. But essentially, we are baptized into the family of God. And that's why we say, I'm a child of God. And you hear people in church saying, well, you're my brother in Christ, or you're my sister in Christ. It's because now there is one body. And we are many parts today. But did you know that we are one body? The church, we are to work in unity and to function together. Verse 13, we are baptized into one body by one spirit. And we share the same spirit, which is God's spirit. So it's not that there are many ways to God. There is one way. Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is one God. And I've heard many people tell me, Yeah, I believe in God, but there are many ways to God. And I, I look at them, not, not in church. These are outside the walls of church. Not people who consider themselves Christians. And they say, there are many ways. And I look at them and I say, No, there's one God. And there's only one Son. There's only one way. There's only one Holy Spirit who baptizes us into the family of God. And, and that happens at salvation, in case you were wondering. When you say yes, there's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and you are a child of God. And that's the beautiful picture of it. And in verses 14 to 17, it goes on to explain how we are uh, many parts, not just one part. Could you imagine if my body was made up of a bunch of ears, right? These were all ears. And, and I didn't have an elbow, they were ears. I didn't have toes, they were ears. I'd hear a lot of stuff, but I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't go anywhere, wouldn't get anything accomplished, and I would never make a sound. I would just hear the sound. But that's not how God made us. It goes on in verse 18, and it builds upon the same concept, but it takes it a step further when it says, but our bodies have many parts, and now here's where it builds. And God is the one... Who put each part just where He wants it. God is the one who puts us where He wants. I didn't decide like 
where my thumb should go. God already decided it for us. When my son Nathan was born two months ago, I had to calculate quickly in my head. Uh, I didn't have to look at and make sure um, that you know the, the toes were actually on his feet and not on his hands. Like They go down there and the fingers come up here. The ears are here. And as I looked at that, I said, wow, as a parent, I didn't get to decide those things. They were already done. Because the Bible, how many of you know, God knows every detail about your life even before you're born. And I like Psalm 139 because it talks about every detail. God, like you're woven together in your mother's womb. Side note this morning. But it just it's so fascinating to see how much care God puts into His creation. And I don't know if you ever looked at your body and stood in awe of God's handiwork... Maybe you looked in the mirror and said, Ugh, these love handles need some work. Um, that's what I said to myself last week. But the reality is when I stop and I look at my children especially, I see it best. I go, God, you are amazing. Your attention to detail is amazing. And we can just study the human body enough and be wowed at God's handiwork. But how many of you look at the church and the body that God made us to be and how He put us together, each different parts, but making one body. How many of us have ever stopped in awe and in wonder and said, God, thank You for Your church. Thank You for this body of people who make up the body of Christ here at Weston Road. Have you ever stood in awe and wonder of God's handiwork for our church? Maybe you haven't, but maybe we should take more time to look And to thank God for what He has given us and who He has given us. Because I believe He's made us complete. He's made us complete. Lacking nothing. In verse 21, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. I don't need you. And it even talks in our passage. We didn't read it, but you can read the whole text when you get home. But it talks about, while there are some who feel like they're lesser parts some who are always visible parts of the body. And we are to know that everyone plays a specific part. Did you know that? You can't see my, my toes, but without my toes, I'd have a hard time keeping balance. Did you know that? I can't say they are less valuable or less important than my fingers. Maybe to hold the mic, yes, but I wouldn't be able to stand up and hold the mic without the toes. Or without my feet. So we shouldn't even desire someone else's part or someone else's gift. God has placed each part exactly where He wants it. So I need you to understand that. I know that you might look at me and say, well, I wish I could be the pastor. Maybe some of you say that. Maybe some of you say, I'm glad I'm not the pastor. I don't want that responsibility. That's fine. But God made me for this part and made you for your part. So you have to play your part. And in the same way, my, my head cannot pretend to be a foot. So I can't pretend that I'm going to be a Sunday school teacher next week because God has called me to stand here to speak to all of the church. And there are teachers who play that part very well. I'm just trying to give you examples so you can understand. But we might desire a different part or a different role But I submit to you this, be who God made you to be. God gifted you in a specific way 
And you need to operate in that gifting and in that passion. Some of you are not passionate about worship music. And you don't play instruments. Who said it was only worship? There are so many other areas that you can be involved in and make a difference for the church and for God's glory. So it's important that we don't covet or desire another gift that God has not even given us. Even though one might seem, oh, they get more honor, they get more recognition. Some get less uh, public notice or attention. But really, we need to be the church that God made us to be. And I love in verse 26 and 27. When one part suffers, we all suffer. But when one part is honored, all the parts are glad. See, this is the picture of a healthy community or a healthy church. It's that we all share in the win together. We all share in the victory together. And guess what? When, the, when there's hurt, we all hurt. And we have to learn that we are one unit, not them and me or them and them and us and we and them. It's us, the church, together. And it's important, church, that we understand this simple example. If you understand your body, you understand the message today. You understand the church. You understand how God made us to be many parts but one body. It was A.W. Tozer who had this incredible thought that I would like to share with you on this subject. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork... I don't know if you've ever been in a music class where they go, and you hear that ringing note. So that's the tuning fork. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically all tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, get this, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ. What that means is we're not looking at one another or to one another. We're looking away from one another to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. I know it's very wordy, but let me just break it down very simply for you today. A group of believers like we are today, the family of God, with our eyes on Jesus, we're much more united in the same way those pianos are all tuned together to a higher standard, which is not our own, but it's Christ. Then, if we all showed up, and all we were trying to do, we would take our eyes off of Jesus and we would put our eyes on one another, striving for community. And I submit to you, what that actually is telling us, what A.W. Tozer, the truth he's trying to convey is this. We are more united when we all put our eyes on Jesus than if we tried to show up and put our eyes on one another and try to connect on our own ability. Did you catch that? God wants to unite our hearts, not our schedules necessarily. Once our hearts are united in community with God. Remember, what's community? Common unity. When we unite our hearts with common unity, 
then everything else begins to flow the way it should. Your schedules will align with, with those who are doing the same things as you, as the body of Christ. So you can't have community without a common unity. That's number one, if you're taking notes. You can't have community without a common unity. Very simply, Jesus, He's our focus. He's the one. He's the name that we lift high together. And then secondly, you can't have community without you and I. It's a little play on words, because if you know how to spell community, it's on the screen. There's a you and there's an I. And you cannot spell community without you and I. God created us to be together, to be one, to be united together. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 says this, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And I know that we use this verse for weddings a lot. We say the husband is one, the wife is two, and then Jesus, three. A threefold cord. That's true. But did you know it's equally true in our relationships with one another as the church? That together we can do a lot, but with Christ, our common unity, oh, the church will will be unstoppable. For the Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. Did you know that? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. And sometimes we forget that we are better together. How many of you have heard the phrase, it takes a village? Right? This construction, renovation, it's not all on Nunzio, even though on Sundays I, I always look to him for the nod. And, and the fact that we're not going to be in the building next Sunday, it's not on him. It, it's, it's a team. We made the decision as a building committee with the advice of the architect and with also the advice of our project manager. And we said, we can try to squeeze everything in and get everything done that the building inspector wants to see. But it'll be crazy. It'll, things still won't be there and done and finished. But we'll try it. Like we, we said, we could try to push it and see what happens. But we said, you know what? Hold on a second. We're not really missing out on anything. Why are we going to go crazy to try to rush to get there just to meet the building inspector's requirements and then still have a ton of things that are still not finished? So we said, two weeks We're united here. What's two weeks more? And so it's not on one person. It's, it's, it was a team effort that we made this decision. And as a church, we have to start taking ownership, friends. And, and I know some of us, we, we do like the fact that we can just show up and we can receive and then we can go. But we have to begin to play our part or else we're just omitting what scripture we read today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If it's true that each of us has been given a gift for the benefit of the church, and if it's true that we are all many parts, different parts that make up one body, I can't show up tomorrow without one of my legs unless something tragic happens. But I, I need this body to work in harmony and in unity for it to function the way God intended. And so it is with the church. And I want to share with you, today we have, we're going to have communion, the Lord's Supper, in just a few moments. Why? Because this 
is a symbol of unity as we remember what Jesus did for the church. And we're going to partake of a meal together in just a few moments. But I just want to share with you some hindrances that would prevent us from uniting and to be the community of believers that God has called us to be. So here are some hindrances. Especially today, the more connected we are, the more disconnected we've actually become. I want, maybe it makes more sense if I hold this in my hand. The more connected we are, the more disconnected we have become. Because I've sat in a room where, where we're ten people, and we're all like this. And then when, when the 11th person walks in, they're like, Hello? Earth to everyone else in the room? And it's like, oh, 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 we snap back into reality. As connected as you might be, as many followers as you might have, I submit to you that that can also be one of the greatest hindrances to having real community with one another is that the fact that, well, I know what Marina did on Wednesday, and I know what you did and what trip you were on, but I never actually engaged with you. I I know everything. I feel like I've lived those experiences with you even, but I haven't even spoken to you. And I haven't even asked, how was your trip? How were you? Or how uh, how was that thing? And we lose out, and we think we're having community, But in actuality, we are disconnected from true community that God wants us to be. The herd of buffaloes, they couldn't be just connected virtually. They needed to be one unit, one force, one strength. Now, I'm not saying this is terrible because you can do a lot of good with being connected this way. But we cannot neglect this connection here in the meeting together as it says in Hebrews. Don't neglect the meeting together as some of you have. But... Do this together. Do this together. So that's one of the hindrances is we think we're connected, but we're actually not. Secondly, what keeps us from achieving the type of meaningful human relationships that God wired us for? It's simply this, the tendency to use people to meet our own needs. And see, we might like community, but we have to learn that it's a give and take relationship. We cannot just use community for selfish gain and to get things done and to, to, for me, 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 me. I feel good. I had fun. I had this. I did that. I got this. And we contributed nothing. See, every part of my body works in syn- it's synchronized, but it works in harmony as well. And so it is. Sometimes my hand will do work. If I'm standing on a ladder, right? My calf muscles are flexing. I'm on my toes to reach up. But my arms are doing work. The shoulder, my back is supported. Everything works together. And so we have to understand, if I'm going to benefit from community, I also have to contribute to the the benefit and the well-being of others. We talked about serving a few weeks ago. So it's important that we understand Community is not just about me, but it's also about what can I give and how can I better the the community that I'm a part of. Then there's also some hindrances to community. There's the fear of rejection. Will people accept me with my flaws, with with my problems? Will people accept me with my past? And that's a real hindrance as well to, to community or that once you're part of community, it's hard to open up because of those things. And 
I want to ask you a big ask today as the church. Are you willing to try your best to overcome those fears and anxieties? If we are a true community of God, let me put my phone away. If we are a true community of God, didn't, doesn't the scripture in John say that they will know us by our love? Not as how good we are at judging one another, but they will know us by our love. Oh, wait a minute. If that is true of the community of God, the believers, when I open up, I mean, some people might be surprised, some people might be shocked, might not expect what I have to share. But we don't rub in those mistakes. You know what we're called to do as the church? I heard this from Rick Warren. We don't rub those things in the church. We're called to love and rub those things out. And, and mercy triumphs over justice. Yes, that's a bad past. Or yes, I know I, I did wrong. But there's mercy and grace at the foot of Jesus. And it's important that we understand as the church, if we can get this one thing, I'm called not to rub it in, but to rub it out. I think we would see a lot more people being vulnerable and sharing about their struggle and allowing their life to be transformed as a result. The last thing I share with you as we prepare our hearts for communion, why, are we, why am I asking this of you? That we be willing to, to, to just risk a little bit and open up a little bit is because, lastly, we are transformed in community. That's why God called us to community, to do life together, is because it also grants us a platform where we can be transformed as well. And I want to share this with you. In Christ, we have a glorious and eternal future. I don't think anyone would argue with that. God prepares His church for this future by transforming us today, now. A process the Bible calls sanctification. The agent of sanctification is the Holy Spirit. The tool of sanctification is the truth of the gospel. And the context of sanctification is community. Where that transformation happens, that being set apart now from the world and from my past and from the sin and from everything I've done, I'm actually transformed in community. And that's the context. That's why we've heard so many testimonies out of Women With Purpose, our women's group. Why? Because they do life together. They pray for one another. They share with one another. We had our men's breakfast. Well, we had one so far in the summer. And a lot of men enjoyed the morning. We shared. We got to eat together. And I, I, I want you to know that as we begin to understand how God wired us to be as, as the church living in community, we are going to understand the power that we find when we have common unity. And not just that, but it also takes you and I to have true community. So with that, I, I want to share with you a few statements in our value series. I've ended every sermon with some of these statements about our church at Weston we have a common unity, and His name is Jesus. At Weston, we will push past our insecurities and our past experiences to move towards community. And at Weston, we will allow ourselves to be transformed as a result in community. 
And so as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, I'm going to ask the band to come. Deacons, if you would make your way forward as well as we prepare this morning. I want to end with you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And there's, Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And it's interesting to note that no church is perfect. And Paul wrote this letter to address some things that were happening. And so I just want to read to you a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. If, uh, yeah, you can bring the table. I want to read to you what Paul was writing, and this is going to prepare our hearts for what we're about to do. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. But in the following instructions, can you just lower the music or bring it right down for this part? But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. So we can meet as the church, but do it all wrong. And it goes on to say in verse 18, first, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, Paul says, I believe it. So there were problems in the church in Corinth. They were, they were meeting as the church, but there was, there was no unity or common unity. There was division. They had different groups meeting at different times. And I just want to paint for you the picture that Paul was, was correcting in this. In verse 20, he says, When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. And he goes on to explain what they were doing. You see, there were rich people showing up with big meals that were getting drunk before even everyone else had arrived. And there were some people who had less or no food that were actually going hungry. And Paul was saying, how is this the church? How is this the picture of, of the church that we just read? And about a chapter later, he explains it in chapter 12, which was our main text. What was supposed to unite them was now untying them. What should have brought them closer together was actually dividing them Rich from poor, some were left wanting while others were having more than enough. See, this is not the picture that God has in mind when we talk about church. But there's a common unity that we are supposed to all partake of. And what was appointed to feed the soul, the Lord's Supper, was employed to feed their lusts and passions. For it says that they were getting drunk on the wine of the Lord's Supper before even they were taking it. And in verses 23 to 25, and here's a passage that I often read, and, and I'm going to read it now as we prepare for communion. Paul's writing to the church and he's reminding them why we do what we do in what concerns the Lord's Supper. And here's what it says. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, 
an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Verse 26, Paul reminds them, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until He comes again. And then he jumps after. And in verse 31, it says, But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So verse 33, So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. You see, the church in Corinth, I'm sure at one point they must have had it right, but they began to lose sight of what this is all about. You see, they would gather for an actual meal, and a part of that meal was a portion that they would honor the Lord in in the way Jesus told them to do this in remembrance with the bread and with the cup. And you see, we're here today gathered as, as the church, as the family of God. And you might say, well, we're not that bad. Like, like I have nothing against people here. We're all here. We're all going to eat of this together. But my question is, are you doing it for the right reason? You see, honor God with your life. Not just when we're about to take communion, you're like, oh yeah, I have to make sure I'm right with God. You see, there was a lot of guilt that they must have felt. And it's easy to... I, I know growing up in church and I've seen people refuse to take it. People who I saw take it a month ago, I said, well, what's, what's wrong this month? Why didn't they take it? And I remember in Bible school, one of our teachers explaining and they said, you see people who are not right with God or maybe there's something that they're going through and they go, not today. And they pass it on. This is a table where we gather together And as we do this, we remember what He has done for us. And we are to examine the motive. So here's what I say. As the deacons are about to distribute the elements, we're going to hold on to them until everyone is served. Why? Well, because we are to wait. And we're going to do this all together. But if there is something in your heart that you you just feel, I'm not worthy today. Here's what I want you to do. Don't let the cup pass you by. You take it and you remember the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of your sin. You remember that it's by His stripes that you are healed. It's not about a feeling. Every time we do this, the instruction was simple. You do it to remember what Jesus has done for you. And so we look inward. We look forward to His return. We look backward to remember that He died to redeem me of my past. And then we look upward because... That's where our help comes from. So today, deacons, would you begin to distribute the elements? And I'm going to ask you to just hold it in your hand. I know we don't have like the cup holder in front of you. If we can make sure that we also distribute it to the band as well. And we honor the Lord together today. We remember everything that He's done for us. The band's going to lead us. I just pray that you would just examine your heart before the Lord. Search me and know me, God. Know every intention. Know my motivation. And as they distribute, you don't need to be a member here at Weston Road Church. All that matters is that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. You believe in your heart that He died and you confess with your mouth that He is Lord. 
If you're a believer, you can partake of this wonderful meal together as we remember the Lord. Again, hold the elements. If anyone needs a gluten-free option, if you would just raise your hand. Pat, who is right here, has um, the plate and he will make sure that you receive that as well. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.